morning, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? My name is George. I'm your campus pastor here at Point Loma. Miles is, pastor Miles is out in the desert ministering at the married couple's getaway. And uh, so you're stuck with me this morning. Uh, but it's, it's a, I'm excited. Uh, really been praying through uh, what to share and been really ministered to uh, as we're going through this series, True Lovers. Pastor Miles will be back next week to, to wrap that up, but in, in kind of line with our, our theme, I want to talk to you this morning about our first love. Not, not your first boyfriend or girlfriend, right? That sometimes is a nightmare. I want to talk to you about the ultimate first love. We've been talking about what it means for us to be true lovers I want to look at it from a little bit of a different angle this morning about Jesus as the ultimate true lover. Uh, he is the one who loved us first. He actually loved us before we were even born. Uh, I have this, this, this kind of thing I, I say with my kids. You know, we're always talking about who loves each other more. Right, you ever do that? Right, I love you more. No, I love you more. No, I love you more. And I love you more. So I, I, I kind of settled it by saying I loved you first. Right? And they're like, oh, you know. Right? And this is kind of what God did with us. He kind of settled the fact of who loves whom more by loving us first. And so if you got a Bible, open it up to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. Take out your lesson plan. Uh, there'll be some notes there for you. Uh, Revelation chapter 2. This is, Jesus writes a series of seven love letters to his church, and we all want to look at the first one of those uh, in Revelation chapter 2. This is Jesus writing a love letter to us, his church. Revelation, the very last book in the Bible, uh, chapter 2, uh, starting at verse 1. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. It says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, and walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear with those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them to be liars. And you have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I'll come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So in this letter, the first thing Jesus shows us about himself as the true lover, first thing in your lesson plan there, is that Jesus is present in his church. Jesus is present in his church. He introduces himself and he says, I'm the one who's walking in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Those seven golden lampstands, we're told in a later letter, represent the church. Jesus is present in the midst of his church. Jesus loves 
church. Jesus comes every service. Do you know that? Jesus never misses a Sunday. Jesus is always here in the midst of his people. Now, I'm not implying that Jesus isn't with you when you're having your quiet time or your prayer time or if you're watching online. I'm not saying Jesus isn't there. I just want to make clear. Jesus is everywhere, but he loves to reveal his presence when his people gather together. All throughout the Old Testament, we see when the, the nation would gather together to worship, fire would fall from heaven. Jesus, God would manifest himself in special ways. In the early church, they always gathered together and the Holy Spirit would reveal himself in powerful and special ways. This is why it's important to gather together as believers, Mark said it, Pastor Mark said it during worship, God didn't design for us to do our Christian life alone. We're designed to do it together, and God blesses it when we come together, where it, whether it's here in the sanctuary worshiping him. And wasn't worship great today? All right? And I tell you, if you haven't been to the, the 6 p.m. service in a while, God is doing something very special at the 6 p.m. service. Very powerful, anointed times of worship. You may want to check that out. But God, Jesus loves to have an encounter with us. He wants to, us to become aware, more aware of his presence not just here, but we carry that presence out with us in our daily life. But there's sometimes a very powerful experience that happens when we gather together. It's why we go to life groups, right? It's why we're, we're, we're gathering together in homes because there's a special experience when we're together worshiping, praying, and seeking God together. In Psalm 27, David wrote and he said, When you said to me, talking to God, when you said to me, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face will I seek. That word face in the Hebrew is actually the word presence. And Jesus is saying to us, I'm here right now. Seek my presence. Seek to become aware of Jesus in our midst. I want you just to take a deep breath. Let all the weak just fall away from you. And let the Holy Spirit start to make you aware. Of God in our midst. His holy. Powerful. Presence. His gracious. Loving. Peaceful. Presence. When we come to church, it should be our goal to seek that experience, that encounter, that awareness of his presence. He's not more here than at other times, but we become more aware than at other times. When we focus in, when we let the distractions fade away, we can hone in and start to recognize the holy presence of God in this place. So, first thing we see is that Jesus is present in his church. Say, Jesus is present. Do you feel it? Do you sense it? He's starting to to recognize. He's going to start to speak to you. He's going to start to minister to you. Second thing we learn in your lesson plan is that Jesus is pleased with his church. Say, Jesus is pleased. 
Jesus commends or applauds the Ephesians for three very specific things that please him. The first one he says, I'm pleased with your good deeds. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience. Jesus is pleased that we at the Rock Church are a do-something church. Right? He's pleased with us when we serve in ministry. He's pleased when we're those that are serving and rock kids right now or those that helped you park their car or those that, that handed you a bulletin or, or the, the youth ministry, the production team, the worship band. Jesus is pleased when we, we serve, when we do something to engage him in his ministry to us today. So Jesus is pleased that we're do something church. Second thing he tells them is he's pleased with their good discernment. Discernment means the ability to test different things. And he says, you, you've tested those who say they are apostles and are not. Jesus is pleased when we're authentic, when we're genuine, when we're real and honest and upfront about what we're going through. Right? You ever ask somebody, how are you doing? What's the typical answer? fine, right? And they're lying, right? right? They're just lying to you because no one's ever just fine, right? Uh, we're, we're good, we're great, we're horrible, we're depressed, we're struggling. And yet sometimes when we come to church, we, we, we take on that mentality that I'm just going to fake it till I make it. Jesus is not pleased with faking it till you make it. He wants us to be genuine. He wants us to be able to look to the person next to us and say, hey, would you pray for me? I'm having a rough day. I'm struggling, or, hey, I'm doing great. Can I help you? Can I take you out to lunch? I got a bonus at work. Can I, hey, let me take this whole section out to lunch. Wouldn't that be awesome, right? But Jesus wants us to be authentic. He's pleased with authenticity. And then this, the third thing he applauds them for is their good doctrine. He says, you, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. In the later letter, he's going to say, because... They teach things that, that really grieve my heart. We don't know what exactly it is that they were doing, but their, their, their actions were tied to a doctrine that Jesus just did not agree with. And so Jesus is pleased with us as a church when we are biblically based and doctrinally sound. Jesus wants our lives to be founded, grounded on the truth of his word. I know we, we live in a culture where everything's kind of relative, right? And, and we're, we're told that the truth, it's true if I believe it, right? It's true for me. It may not be true for you. Jesus said, no, truth's true because I am the truth. And Jesus isn't changing. He's not adapting to culture. He is who he is. And he says, when you, you base your life on the rock-solid truth of my word, it pleases me. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says, All scripture is God-breathed. It, he breathes it out of his very being. It's God-breathed and it's profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness that the person of God would be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Think about that thought, that God's word is like his breath. Remember when he created Adam? It said he breathed into him the breath of life. When we read God's word, he breathes life into our relationship with him. 
Without God's word, you are suffocating every single day. You ever feel like that? Like you just your soul is suffocating in this world? When we read God's word, he breathes fresh life into us. That's why it's so important just to pick it up every day and say, God, breathe some fresh life into me. I'm feeling like I'm suffocating here. Just breathe that fresh life in me because without God's word, we are incomplete and unprepared to face life. I want to say that again. Without God's word, we are incomplete and unprepared to face life. Life. We need the breath of God through his word breathing life into us so that we can go out and face life out there. Amen? So Jesus is pleased. So the first thing we saw is that Jesus is present. Say, Jesus is present. Second thing is that Jesus is pleased with his church. Say, Jesus is pleased. And the third thing we see is that Jesus is passionate about his church. Jesus is passionate about his church. Say, Jesus is passionate. Say it with some passion. Jesus is passionate. So Jesus says, I I have this against you. I'm present, I'm pleased, but I've got something against you. You've left your first love. And what does he mean by first love? What is our first love? We alluded to it at the beginning of the message. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. Jesus is the ultimate first love. True love begins with being loved by God. Bible says that he is love. He is the source of all love. If I haven't been loved by him, I'm not experiencing true love. What does it mean to leave that first love? Leaving our first love is not so much, I believe, about the loving God less. It's not, oh, I've left my first love. I'm not loving God as much as I should. I believe that leaving our first love is losing our sense of what it means to be loved by God first. Where the love of God is occupying the primary place in my heart, where I am overwhelmed, awe-inspired, jaw-dropping gratitude that God, the creator of the universe, actually knows me and cares about me and loves me with an infinite love. Sometimes we forget how high, how wide, how far, and how deep the love of God is for us. And it doesn't stir our hearts anymore. People say, God loves you. It doesn't grip us. Is that gripping you this morning? The fact that God loves you. God loves you. Turn to the person next to you, look him in the eye and say, God loves you. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Say with me, God loves me. God loves me. Now say it like you mean it. God loves me. Okay, one more time. I want just, if you believe it, notify your face because some of you are like, God loves me. Right? Say it with a smile on the count of three. One, two, three. God loves me. 
This is what it means to come back to our first love, to come back to that first sense of, whoa, God loves me. I know God loves everybody, but he he loves me. He actually loves me. God is love, and he's the true source of all love. You know, we can't love without being loved by him. When we lose sight of his love, we lose the ability to love other people. And our love starts to diminish. I always cringe when I hear people say, well, I've got to love myself first because they're not the first love, right? You can't give what you don't have if you don't have a sense of love. What do you do? Right? I can't say, I, you know, I can't give you $100 if I don't have $100 in my pocket. I think I got three bucks in my pocket, right? I can't give what I don't have if, I have if I'm not experiencing the reality of God's love for me. I can't give it to anybody else. That's why it's always got to go back to him first. I don't go to myself first. I go to him first because he is the ultimate first love. When God, when Jesus is in our first love, we start looking to secondary loves to try to fill the void of not having him. Paul told Timothy in his second letter to him, he said, in the end times, people will become lovers of themselves. They'll be lovers of money. They'll be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And I wonder, has your love for Jesus kind of taken a backseat? Not actually your love for him, but has his love for you kind of drifted from your focus? Has it taken a, a backseat to other loves? Maybe your, your job or, or a relationship or, or your finances or your possessions and, and you've got secondary love sitting in the seat of the one true first love. Jesus says, I'm I'm present, I'm pleased with all that you're doing for me, but do you love me? Are we in love? I don't know. Anybody ever seen the movie Fiddler on the Roof? Classic, great movie. Haven't seen it, download it, watch it. It's awesome. It's kind of long, but it's really cool. And, and there's this scene in there where the father has been trying to arrange these marriages for his three daughters, and, and everybody he picks, they don't like because they come and they say, Dad, we, we, I don't love him. And so it's starting to, to get in his head and he thinks, well, my marriage was arranged. And, and he, he, he kind of sneaks into the kitchen with his wife and, and he, he asks her for the first time, do you love me? Goldie, do you love me? Right? And, and I want to show you this clip because I think it, it gets at the heart of what Jesus is asking us today. So take a look. Do you love me? You're a fool. I know. But do you love me? Do I love you? Well. For 25 years I've washed your clothes, cooked your meals, cleaned your house, given you children, milked your cow. After 25 years, why talk about love right now? And I think, you know, we're we're, kind of like Goldie. When we lose our first love, 
we say that Jesus says, do you love me? You say, well, what do you mean? For all these years I've come to church, read my Bible, said my prayers, right? Served in ministry, given my tithe, right? After all these years, why talk about love right now? Because love is the most important thing. Love is the most important thing. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. Jesus is so passionate about his church that he's unwilling to take second place in our hearts. So he's present with us, he's pleased with us, he's passionate about us. And then he has a promise. The fourth thing, he has a promise for us. And that promise is, to him who overcomes, I will give to eat the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Basically, Jesus says, if you love me, I will be your life. I'll be your life. And there is nothing better in life than being loved. Amen? Anybody been loved before? Right? And you know, right? those of you that are married, most of the married couples are out of the married couples retreat, but those of you that are married, you know if when you feel loved, it doesn't matter what's going on in the rest of your life, you're good. But when that relationship goes sour, it doesn't matter how many other things are going good in your life, life's hard. The greatest thing in life is to be loved by Jesus. So what's the application? How do we return to our first love? If you've drifted uh, over the last week or, or month or year or maybe longer, how do you get back to that place where God's love for you occupies the primary place? Jesus gives us three applications. Flip over your lesson plan. They're on the backside real quick. First thing we need to do is to remember to keep him first in our hearts. Remember to keep him first in our hearts. Sometimes we need to be reminded of how much God loves us. I want you to think back to your early experiences with Jesus. For some of you, it may may be a while, but kind of close your eyes. And I want you to, to try to think back. Do you remember the gratitude you felt the first time you realized that Jesus loves you? Do you remember the relief you felt when you were first, the first time you were forgiven of all your sins and all the guilt and shame and condemnation just fell away? Do you remember what it felt like to be forgiven the first time? Do you remember the joy you had at being 
one of his children. Remember the first time you came to church when you were saved, when you were actually one of his, you weren't a spectator anymore, you were one of his. And you remember the joy and the eagerness to come in and to worship and to, to praise him. And you didn't care what your voice sounded like. You didn't care how you looked. And you were tears streaming down your face and you're so full of joy. and something. Not the kind of little leaky tears that you can blink away, like the snot kind of tears, right? Where you're just so overjoyed joyed at being one of his. Do you remember the, the fullness of heart the first time you were overwhelmed in his presence? When that thick cloud of his holiness just kind of went whoosh down on your life. You're like, whoa, I'm in the presence of God. Have you forgotten what it's like to be loved? Have you forgotten what it's like to be filled with his presence. We need to feed our affections for Jesus with great reflections of Jesus. I'll say that again. We need to feed our, reflection, our affections for Jesus with great reflections of Jesus. If we're not remembering, it gets really easy to drift and to forget. I want to encourage you, if you don't have a journal, go out and buy one. I think they sell them in the the bookstore in the rock pile. Uh, Go buy a journal and just start, or just a notebook, and just start writing a few lines every day. Jesus, thank you for. Jesus, I remember when. We need to remember to keep him first in our hearts. Second application, we need to repent of following our own hearts. We need to repent of following our own hearts. Jesus urges us to repent, not once, but twice, for leaving our first love. Realize it's a sin. I know we don't like to talk about sin that much anymore in our culture, but it's a sin to leave your first love. To not have Jesus as your first love is a sin. In fact, it's the greatest sin because we're breaking the greatest commandment. And we need to repent. If, we don't, if we're okay being dull of heart and apathetic towards Christ, we need to pray that the Holy Spirit would come and convict us with a holy conviction right now because we're missing the most important thing in life. And Jesus loves us. He cares about us too much to have us miss the most important thing in life. We get caught up working a job, paying bills, paying off debt, hoping we get to the finish line with enough money, thinking that's life. That's not life. That's existence. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And life is found in experiencing and knowing and expressing his love. If you've lost your first love for Jesus, you've lost everything. And it's time to repent and say, God, I need it back. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? We need to repent. I'll be honest with you, I've been repenting this week. As I've been reflecting on my own life, I realized, wow, I've been in in a season where my love for ministry has taken first place. And I had to push that back and say, Jesus, come back in. Take your rightful seat in my heart. 
Because as much as I love you, I love this church, you're not my first love. Jesus is my first love. And the only way I can love you as your pastor effectively is if Jesus is sitting in the first place in my heart. Only way I can love my wife, my children effectively if is Jesus is sitting in the first place in my heart. So he says, we got to repent of following our own hearts. And I, and I know it's popular. I'm not trying to offend anybody. Uh, to, we're, we're often told, follow your heart. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 26, he who follows his own heart is a fool. Because our hearts will naturally take us away from God. See, you can't go two directions in life. You can't follow your heart and God's heart. You got to pick one. You got to say, God, I want to follow your heart and I'm repenting of following my own heart. So what does it mean to confess? It means simply changing direction from following our hearts to saying, God, I want your affections. I want what you want. I want to do what you do. I want to love what you love. I want to hate what you hate. I want to follow you with all my heart. Repentance is much more than confession. A lot of times, um, you ever, everybody ever been lost while driving and you keep driving, right? You're lost. You have no idea where you are, but you feel if I keep making forward, you know, if I keep making, if I keep moving, I'll eventually end up somewhere, right? Can think of confession as admitting that you're lost. Repentance is doing what's necessary to get back on track. You can still be lost and confess that all day long and, not, and never be found. Repentance is actually doing what's necessary to get back on track. Sometimes as Christians, I think we master the art of the apology without ever doing anything to change. All we do is say, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he says, when will you repent? When will you actually do what's necessary? Repentance is really simple. We have to ask God for help. Repentance doesn't come naturally. We don't have the power to do it ourselves. We say, God, help me change. That is a prayer of repentance. God, help me change. God, please give me a new heart. Restore my soul. Renew my mind. Realign my actions. I want to change. Then you got to take a step in the right direction. And that gets us to our third and final point. We need to return to the first things with the right hearts. We need to return to the first things with the right hearts. You ever notice it's, everything is easier when you're in love? Everything's easier in love. John said it in his first epistle, his commandments are not burdensome. When you're in love, it's not hard to follow Jesus. What are the first things for us here at The Rock? If you're, if you're not uh, a part of the church yet, go sign up for the life class. Go take that step. Join the church. Say, I'm going to commit to being a part of this church. If you're not part of a, a small group, take that step. Say, I'm going to repent. I'm not just going to say, I'm sorry, God. I'm going to do something that actually changes the way I'm living my life. And, and go talk to the team out in the lobby after the service and sign up for a life group. Get in a small group with other people. Start reading your Bible, talking to God every day, serving in ministry. These are the, the first things, but we've got to do them 
with the right heart. And so let's pray as we close our service. And I want to give you an opportunity to come back to your first love. Father, I want to pray for everyone here right now that you pour your Holy Spirit out upon us. God, we can't even be convicted on our own. We need your help to realize how far we've fallen. We need your help to change our hearts. We can't change them. We need your help to change them. We need your help to remember how amazing your love is for us. So, Father, I pray right now across this whole auditorium, everyone watching online, that you would move powerfully and remind us of your great love for us. Convict us of those things that we've put in that first place, those secondary loves that we've allowed to crowd you out of our hearts. If you're here this morning and you realize as you've been listening that you've never had Jesus in the first place in your heart. You've never trusted him. You've never surrendered your life fully to him. You've never received his forgiveness. You don't know what it feels like to be loved by him. I want to give you an opportunity to start that relationship with him. To give your life to him. To surrender everything. And to let his love come flowing into your life for the first time. So if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer in the privacy of your heart. Say, dear God, I admit that I'm far from you. I admit that I've sinned But I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for that sin. I ask that you would forgive me and wash away all the shame, all the guilt. Please make me a member of your family. Fill my heart with your love. If you prayed that prayer where every, every head is bowed, every eye is closed, I want you just to slip your hand up in the air and, and keep it there so I can pray for you. Just hold it up. If you prayed that prayer, God bless you, 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 God bless you. Just hold it up high. It's between you and God. God bless you, God bless you. 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 See you in the balcony. God bless you. Anyone else, just hold your hand up high if you're saying, I I gave my life to Jesus for the first time today. It's just between you and God. Just hold it up as an acknowledgement. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now, for those of you that recognize that you're saved, you're one of his, 
but you've drifted far from him and you need to repent. You need to get back to that place where he's first in your life and his love is the driving force of everything in your life. That's you today. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I am so sorry for letting secondary loves take the place of my first love. And I repent today. And I ask that you would forgive me for losing sight of your love for me. And I pray that you change my heart. Take this hard, dull, tired heart and replace it with a new heart. Fill me with a fresh sense of how great your love is. Restore my first love. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to, in a minute, to raise your hand as well. Again, I'm not going to call you forward. just want you to acknowledge before God that you've repented. Remember, it's not something private. But you just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to acknowledge you. Just raise your hand. God bless you. 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 Hundreds of hands all over the room. God bless you. Just raise it high. This is you saying, God, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I want that fresh first love again. God bless you. God bless you. So many of you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Father, you see all of these hands and you know every single heart in this place. And I pray that you would overwhelm them with your love for them. Wash over them. Minister to them. Refresh them. You promised in your word that times of of refreshing would come when we repent. So all those that have repented today, bless them, God. And for those that they're good with you, I pray that you would overflow them as well. Encourage them. Help them to to give them the strength to keep going. We trust you for it. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, praise God. Real quick, before Pastor Mark comes and, and closes out our service, prays for our offering. For those of you that prayed to receive Christ for the first time, would you please just take out your phone and text the word SAVED to 59769 so that I can follow up with you? I just want to send you a, a, just a quick note of encouragement, uh, some links to some resources to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And then those of you that, that raised your hand and repented, said, I want to come back to my first love, would you tear out the My Response card in your bulletin and just write down your name and your email uh, so that I can send you a note of encouragement this week. I, I'm going to read through all of those. Just check the I rededicated. That's what it is when you, you just say, I'm, I'm getting back to the basics. I rededicated. Just rip that off, fill it out, super quick, easy. It's in your bulletin. Just drop it in the, the tithe giving boxes on your way out so that I can follow up with you. And I just want to say, as your campus pastor, I love you.
I love you. I love this church. I love everything about being your campus pastor. And I pray for you all the time. And I pray that you would thrive, that you would grow, and that you would have an amazing relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, God bless you, Pastor Mark.